You are now tuned in to Music, Men, and My Mental with your host, C. Devone, attacking all things career, relationship, and your overall health. Trifecta. Let's get to it. Let's start the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Music, Men, and My Mental, where we discuss all things in your career, relationship, and overall health. I am C. Devone. Excited to be here another day. I'm so excited. I've been singing all day. Even though the universe was trying to take me out, I'm telling you, I woke up in good spirits, mind feeling good, but then woke up to some emails and all types of nonsense. And ugh, But that's okay. Got it back together. So homework time. Last week, I was trying to share some homework and it was about what does good health look like? What is that to you? Mental health, physical health? I don't know, but what does that look like? Does it have colors? Does it mean that you are, you know, have more muscle? Does it mean that you are thicker? Does it mean that you, you know, whatever that means to you, what does your mental health look like? Are you happier all the time or are you a little bit, you can tone it down a bit or just awareness? So, This week, I'm saying, let's have real conversation. Let's have a conversation with just one person, one meaningful conversation. When you ask someone, how's your day? And I say, okay, yeah, thank you. No, make it a point, one person, whether it's a mother, dog, cat, child, to really ask them how their day is and make it meaningful. Make it mean something. Ask them how their spirits are. Because that's when you get real deep into it. Because you can say, how you doing? But then you say, how's your spirit? How's your, like, what's what's going on with you? You feeling good? Oh, I'm feeling great. Okay. Like, then ask that one more time. <laughs> you know, just to get it. Okay. Is it? Okay. Because some people, you know, you don't want to be pushy. Because you know my Sagittarius self. I love to be all in everybody's face. However, let's do that. Let's Let's just have that homework. So let's go into my guest today. Her name is Deshonda Brown. Um, I'm going to have her introduce herself. Um, she does a lot of great things, but also, but also um, she has a big focus on mental health and mental health um, advocacy. So I'm just so tongue twisted today, but whatever. So I'm going to have you introduce <laughs> yourself because I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> no problem. Well, hello, f- fellow Sagittarius. Hey. Um, December or November? December. Okay. I'm, I'm November. It's okay. But you know what? We're all in this together. Right. You're my fellow Sagittarius. <laughs> it's okay. You, you're still there. Right, right, right. So I am... Like I said, I, I kind of do a lot. I am only 23 years of age. I don't like say, saying 23 years old because it's still young. Um, yes, it is very young and it's a good, you know, it's it's just when you say, baby, enjoy your life when you hear 23, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. I am very passionate about mental health. Like you said, I originally started my career off in the music industry. I kind of got thrown right into it when I was in wow. college. I started working with, you know, reality television stars, rappers, singers, dancers, all that stuff when I was in Atlanta. And once I graduated college and I really started working in the music industry, something told me and I was like, self, myself said, hmm. I was like, you know, I don't I don't really want to do this anymore because I know that I have a larger calling and not to say that I can't do a lot with music, but, you know, I don't feel like Shawn Mendes or Demi Lovato hitting the Hot 100 is really going to help my people out. So I had a calling for mental health after an organization called Silence the Shame by Shanti Das came to Universal Music Group to do like a panel discussion about mental health in the music industry. And Shanti was was so brave. And I had the pleasure of meeting her at this event. And probably two or three days before the event, her sister had passed away. Oh, my. Yeah, it was it was super, super, super hard to see her fight tears but still welcome questions welcome hugs Mm -hmm. welcome all this you know energy and all these people around her but still have the same brave face to be like I want to tell my story and something clicked in me to say you know what Shonda that's what you need to do too Mm. because it takes a lot to 
grieve, to heal, to speak, to be around all these people and to still be able to have the courage to tell your story and listen to other people's too. And I have a passion for storytelling. I have a passion for people. I have a passion for talking. I have a passion for Mm. listening. So what better way to incorporate that than with mental health, especially since I suffer from a mental illness, depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I could use a platform that I'm currently growing to go on Instagram stories and, you know, post cute pictures or post, you know, me lip syncing the same song for the for like 30 times over. Mm -hmm. I could use that platform to speak on suicide prevention, PTSD, sexual Mm -hmm. assault, rape. And I know that the same people who are rocking with me will listen. I like how you said the same people who are rocking with me will listen because um, it's sometimes it's just so unfortunate that, you know, like the Sean Mendez hitting the hot 100, you know, gets the attention and it gets the exactly. likes and you have something that's it's it's serious and it's heavy. And most of the times people don't want to hear about it or listen to it unless it affects them directly. Exactly. So when you say people rocking with me, they say, OK, yeah, let, let me listen to what she has to say, you know, because even when. We take this show, you know, it's about your career, your relationships and your overall health. And I always with health go into the mental because your mind, if your mind is gone, your body's a waste half the time. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I like to tell people that because people oftentimes tend to forget that the brain is also an organ, just like Mm. any other part Mm -hmm. of the body. Mm -hmm. I remember um, just last week, I want to say last week for Suicide Prevention Awareness Week, I dropped an op-ed on this website called We Are Dopism. And my article was about physical therapy versus, you know, psychological and mental therapy. Mm. I also have scoliosis, meaning for anybody who doesn't know, like my back has like an unbalanced curvature in it. So instead of having like a straight line, it kind of like does a little dip in it or whatever. And the way that I explained it in my op-ed is if I know that something's wrong with my back, I'm going to go to the chiropractor. I'm going to go to physical therapy. I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that my physical is good. But how come when people are sad for long periods of time, people just say, oh, it's just the blues or I'm just having a bad day and they don't think to go to the doctor, which Mm -hmm. is a psychologist or a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist. People don't take mental health as seriously as they do physical health because they feel like because you can't see the signs and the symptoms, Mm. it will just go away. But that's not true at all. You have to treat your mental health just as you would with a broken foot or with your back. I love it. I love it. And you did 23 <laughs> speaking the powerful words around here. Yes. Thank that. you. I love that. So, um, so with mental help, are you, you are well, you, you're working with them or is yes. silence to shame and mental help? Tell me about that. The differences and what you do with that. So it's funny because I actually met Dr. Randy S who is the head of mental help at the silence, the shame okay. foundation event at umg so with silence the shame i was first introduced by i was first introduced to this um organization by this woman named cameron triplett Mm -hmm. and she is huh she's amazing i literally stalked her on instagram for like three months because i saw that she was the communication strategist for this organization Mm -hmm. and a lot of people want to be in the face of shanti does because you know she's this great music vet but Mm -hmm. it's like that that's not why I want to be in contact with her. I want to get to know her because she's using her platform for the greater good. Like sis is out here doing it for mm-hmm. mental health and mm-hmm. she's speaking from the heart. She's not doing it because she knows that she can. She's doing it because she wants to. Mm-hmm. So I contacted Cameron and her and I had been in like email communication. And one day we got on the phone and she and I talked for, I want to say three hours, just talking about mental health, depression, mm-hmm. our own experience with Um, with suicide and from then she asked me to assist with the event at silence the shame which i found out the day before was at my job at universal music group i was like wow that's a oh wow really small world (laughs) (laughs) so at the event there were a few people on the panel it was shanti it was charlemagne the god it Mm -hmm. was two um it was two music managers one who worked at atlantic and one who worked at def jam and there were two psychologists but i was really in tune with dr randy s who mm-hmm. is the head of mental hot because he talked about how he wants to bring the education to 
young kids who don't know mm-hmm. about mental health because you know the ages of 13 through like 18 are the most prime age where kids right. are the most impressionable so he wanted to bring the education of mental health and psychology to underserved and underprivileged communities to this kids to these kids so that they can have a better opportunity and a better chance at life so from there he allowed me to go to a school in newark new jersey ironically the day after i had been let go at my job at universal music group oh wow yeah Mm -hmm. and from there i remember just sitting on this bench and there were like i want to say a good 20 kids Mm -hmm. and i sat in front of these kids and i told them i had just lost my job but i was no more thrilled than to be there that day talking to them because I felt like for the first time I had actually been doing what I wanted to do, sitting, Mm. talking about my experiences, answering all these kids questions, because a lot of them didn't know the words psychosis. A lot of people didn't Mm. know what depression meant. A lot of people didn't know how to readily identify anxiety because they thought it was just normal and, Mm -hmm. and nerves. But I felt like I was actually giving back to kids that are at an age where I wish I knew all this information oh and God. I can help them. That's good. Ooh, and when one door closes, another one opens. I know and that's it was right. an opening of the mind right there. <laughs> I love that. So go into your actual experiences because you got here for a reason. You right. have your own personal experience with mental health and you know you're so brave at sharing you know the physical and the mental thank you and and just by us having you know our phone conversations before getting here I was like we were having our own podcast (laughs) interview um but yeah go into your story um with mental health okay so um and I'm I'm a huge stats person so I'm probably oh my gosh we're the same person (laughs) he's my earring oh my goodness it keeps oh those are cute like thank you no problem I keep hearing the knocking and I'm like trying to figure out how to prevent that from it happens. Okay. I think girl, I'm you still look fly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, no goodness. Problem. Yeah. You're going to kill me with the editing. All right. So yes. <laughs> tell me your experience with mental health. Okay. So the crazy thing about mental health is that, you know, only, well, not even only cause it's a really large number. If you think about it, one in five people suffer from a, mel- a mental illness I oh, I believe that (laughs) (laughs) I would have never thought that I would be one in five. Mm. Never. And African-Americans, for the most part, we suffer from four of the most common psychological disorders and mental illnesses, which are depression, ADHD, PTSD and suicide. And for me, I was unfortunate enough to experience you know most of those from a young age I was going through like some traumatic stuff Mm -hmm. but it's not like I grew up you know homeless or without my mother did everything that she Mm -hmm. could to provide for me and my siblings I will never take that away from her but trauma is subjective oh I say that oh I say that all the time absolutely no one you you can be rich And you you can be poor and it's it's still trauma because it's 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 your eyes, your lens. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. that's why you have to ask people, oh, when people say, oh, it's not that deep or it's not that serious. Mm. What do you think is more serious, a baby losing its pacifier for the for the first time or somebody getting hit by a car? You can't answer that because those are two different people with two different lenses and two different experiences and walks of life. You just never know. So my first traumatic experience was when I was about five And I had this kindergarten step up ceremony, a.k.a. graduation. And I saw, you know, my mom in the audience, my sister, my grandfather, my grandmother. But I didn't see my father. Mm. So that was my first sense of disappointment and hurt. Mm -hmm. From there, I had, you know, abandonment issues. Ooh, don't talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to get real deep. Uh And then when I was about... Eight years old, my sister had a huge fight with my mother one day Mm. and she ran away. Mm. So I went to school not knowing where my sister was. I was panicking and I was crying. And that was my first ever sense of fear. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, I didn't know where all this hurt came from. 
because I'm 23, I could, you know, readily look back at my experiences and be like, you know what, this is why, especially because I have a therapist. Mm-hmm. But as I was growing up, I was up, also like, wait, you remember five. Holy shit. Because <laughs> I don't remember 23. <laughs> so I was like, you remember, girl, you remember five? Okay. Oh, yeah, I have a, not that long. I have a Let's freakishly great memory. Ooh, bless your heart. So <laughs> you started realizing the trauma in your life. Yeah. And, but what was the point where you said, all right, I have to get, I'm going to get diagnosed or someone diagnosed you or like that point. I think my breaking point was, it was like, I realized I'm like a bottle. I can, you know, follow the vending machine and I'll be fine. But if I put it in my bag and I forget about it and it shakes up a lot and then I go home and open it, it's just going to do its thing. Mm -hmm. I had just graduated from college and people don't realize this, but post-graduation depression is extremely real. Mm. very especially when you have all this peer pressure of you know what job are you gonna have are you gonna get Mm -hmm. married are you gonna have kids in some Mm -hmm. cultures um you see all your friends on social media having these fabulous jobs at these big companies or Mm -hmm. starting their own companies and you're just like Ooh. okay i never thought about that i mean i didn't graduate you know, two years ago or so, <laughs> but you know, in this climate where people are entrepreneurs and it's so much, so many startups and yeah. you can be an influencer and make t- tons of money, you know, and YouTubers and you know, all that stuff. So there's a career for everyone. Um, yeah, you can actually start your career, but I can see like if it's not popping or, you know, at the end of the day, you're broke no matter what you're doing. You yeah. may find a little sadness in your heart. Yeah, I was, I was at wit's end, especially because in college, I was the girl who had my own radio show. I was the girl who was the editor of the newspaper. I was the girl that had all these internships, but I was also the girl that walked out of college with nothing. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very, very devastating for me. And I had a good support system. I had my best friends. I had my family, but I wasn't right. And I remember one day I did get this job and I was an assistant. I was working at this entertainment firm. I had, you know, at the time the job of my dreams but nobody knew that I wasn't getting paid oh goodness child that was definitely (laughs) when I was you know trying to you know go through the music industry I was definitely I was like I will work for free and yeah and it probably was very glamorous and I've seen it it with so many people and that's how a lot of people did get started you know and basically they would not eat until like that executive ate and they were happy to add on an extra piece of lunch <laughs> when that person ate. Like that would be their dinner for the rest for of the anything. night. Like Ooh. not even a Metro card. And it it killed me because I hate asking for help. Like even mm. to this day, I really hate asking mm-hmm. for help. So asking my mom like and she would always give me like, hey, I need one hundred and twenty dollars for a monthly metro card asking my dad like yo can you pay my phone bill or mm-hmm. hey i need to go somewhere tonight do you mind paying for my cab that that broke me mm-hmm. and on top of that i was also experiencing some some really just nonsense relationship issues uh-huh. i wasn't doing anything stable and i kept having like sexual triggers because mm-hmm. i was also raped in college wow. so when i did want to sleep with the guy i would either get too scared or I would just wild out and be like, you know what? It's been taken from me anyways. I'm just do what I got to do and dip. Wow. So I remember just sitting in my cousin's room one day because I was living with her at the time. And I was just sitting, shaking, crying. And I was like, I I can't do this anymore. Like this, this is the day that's going to take me out. So I remember sitting in her room with a knife and just like sitting there like, I'm, I'm finna do this. Like I really am. And my cousin caught me, thank God for her. And she was like, you're not, you're not doing this. Like just point blank Mm -hmm. period. Like you're not going to do this. I'm not letting you go out like this. Like everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So with that, she called my father and my father encouraged me to come down and stay with him in Washington DC for a few days. And he allowed me to just decompress and chill. And he asked me like how you were saying in the beginning of the podcast, like, how are you actually doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How are you actually feeling? And don't lie to me. And I remember just sitting on his couch and bawling like, I'm a failure. Mm. Nothing's going right. And he was like, you can always turn it around, but I need you to get some help first. There we, wow. That that like put chills down my (laughs) spine because, you know, we often hear like, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be all Right. right. You have to change. You know, it's you, you're, you can change the way you feel. 
It's like, yeah, but you need help first. Yeah, he he definitely. It, it's scary because my dad and my mom, they both worked for the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And my dad and my mom both worked with inmates very closely. Mm-hmm. And my father in particular did a lot of detective work. So he can tell when something's not right with somebody. He can, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> he so, knows everything. <laughs> yeah. He can tell when you're lying. He can tell when you're telling the truth. He can tell when you're about <gasps> to lie. He's that good. And that's your <laughs> father. Oh, my goodness. So you got away with nothing. Oh, he didn't live with me. But if, okay. But if, <laughs> But if he did, I wouldn't I said, have gotten it. Can I it use that nothing. against men? I'm like, Daddy, can you? Uh, he twitched his eye real quick. What that mean? <laughs> all you, you got to know is if you look up, that means you're lying. Really? Yeah. Give me another one. If you look down, you're telling the truth. What? If you play with your hands. Okay, ask me a question. Stick. Ask me a question. Ask me something. Go ahead. How you doing today? I'm fine. See, looking straight <laughs> into the camera like, nah, 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 nah. You got to look at me. Okay. Okay. Wait, go ahead. How you feeling today? Fine. Okay, See, you, now you I have, know. You have like I a know. nervous twitch. Okay, okay. Give me something else, like a, like a random, a random fact. Or What's something. your favorite food? Uh, seafood. You have to think about it too hard. That means you're indecisive. Well, oh, that's indecisive. That's a fact. Okay, <laughs> I need to know. You have to, you have to think about it for oh, a second. Like, oh, that that one was easy, <laughs> but okay, now when they up, look up, down, looks. Look, we t- we told you here. <laughs> the lying detector. So. Wow. And then you got help and then yeah. you started really. And wow, it good. was it was amazing because I would have never thought because, you know, I didn't grow up with my father in the house. But mm-hmm. as I got older and as he and I talked more about, you know, our relationship and my abandonment issues in particular, we built this very close bond. Like my my parents are like, they're my rock now. Good. Like you couldn't ask me that five years ago. I would have been like, man, look, my parents don't that. know nothing. They think. But as I'm getting older, I'm just like, yo, they were really looking out for me. Uh, I know it, it's so sad when you wake up and you're an adult and you're like, wow, I was such a bitch to my mom. I sure or was. Or like, even with my father, I have my own abandonment issues with him. Um, but I am still an advocate for fixed relationship with your father. I Absolutely. tell this to so many people. And it's not even for for them. It's for yourself. So you can get past some things because sometimes right. we harbor this this pain and this hurt. Um, but I'm happy that you were able to, you know, fix that and, and, and to have him in your life because he's giving you all the gems and stuff. So, yeah, you know. my, my father, he's he's everything. And it, it's crazy because I would have never thought that he would be the one to tell me mm-hmm. to get the help because he told me that he knew for years mm-hmm. that something was wrong with me. But the thing about, you know, and now that I'm mental health first aid certified, I know exactly what he was talking about. You can't force somebody to talk. So he said that he mm. knew for a while that something was wrong with me, but he didn't want to force the conversation. He didn't want to be like, you need to get help. I don't care how fine you say you. He wanted to wait for me to come to him so he can be like, I know. And this is what I have in mind. Got you. I'm going to hold on to that thought because I have a question about that. So um, we went into, uh, I have like so many questions, <laughs> but something that we went into with mental health is dating, of course. You know, yeah. you went into the career part of you, you know, realizing this wasn't for you. Your spirit was speaking to you, but also like dating with a mental illness. A mental illness. The great thing is, yeah. it's two parts to it because some people are aware that they have a mental illness, dealing with depression, anxiety, things like that. And then there are those who do not want to get help, do not think they need help, feel that nothing is wrong. Right. We'll go away from those for a second, but as far as you are concerned, I know that you had said, you know, I didn't even want to date because I felt like I was a burden to people. I didn't want to date at all because when I had... um a step back to the story when I had first gotten to you know a diagnosis and my therapist had told me that I had depression and anxiety I remember bawling to one of my best friends at the time sitting on her couch and being like oh my god what's wrong with me but at the same time I felt so relieved like at least I know what's Mm. wrong with me and I had been talking to this guy at the time needless to say for a prequel to the story he doesn't exist anymore but <laughs> bye. honestly, I remember I called him and I told him, hey, um, I tried to off myself mm-hmm. and Oof. I have depression and I have anxiety and I don't know how to feel. 
but I want you to know that I am getting help. I want you to know that I am okay. Cause around him, I was always happy smiling. So he mm. would never see me down. And his response was suicidal thoughts aren't real. I'm sorry. What? That was his response. Suicidal thoughts are not real. Life is not that serious. You're fine. Mm. I was like, heard you. Didn't talk to him after that. Like that was the last conversation. He called me later and he said some more BS. And I was like, oh, he continued to BS. Keep that same energy. Okay. I was was like, you know what? I'm just all the fuck said it's, like, I'm just not gonna it, do that. It's, it's so unfortunate because a lot of men do feel like that like it's because you're broke that's why you're depressed or it's because like shit's not going your way but sometimes it's a lot deeper than that yes it those is. are there are factors and there and many triggers to get you to that point but when it's something that is debilitating that's when it's an actual issue you know exactly but good for you for like actually like sharing it with him opposed to seeing the evolution of your health going, you know, deteriorating. Yeah. It was, it was hard because people don't understand that mental health can be just as burdening sometimes as physical health. One of the things that I learned Mm. in mental health first aid certification is that severe depression can be just as crippling as quadriplegia. Oh my. It can get that bad. Where right. it's like, it's not that you don't want to get out of bed. It's not that you don't want to eat. You you just physically can't. Your body will not let you. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that some days. And I wanted to open up to him and tell him, like, this is actually how I feel. Like, I smile and I, I go out and I party, but I'm not happy, like, mm-hmm. at all. But I felt like in in that moment, I felt like I was mourning a death. I felt like I was losing somebody. And granted, you know, it wasn't that serious he was just somebody I messed with for like a year and but <laughs> at, at the, the moment you felt yeah. like you were losing the love of your life yeah at that moment I was just like dang I lost a good one but I was like nah but, but not good really. for you for being like nah that that's not it and under like because if you were weak-minded or you know not strong enough you would have been like you know what you're right. Maybe it is just me, you know, and just want to be in the right. comfort of his arms opposed to like actually needing a, a little bit of a pill or going to therapy every week right. and thinking that he can be your therapist. So like good for you for being like, you know what, you're you're not it. You may actually be a toxic person because you're saying these words to me and they're not helping me. You it know? wasn't helping me at all. It was it was very disappointing oh for i'm disappointed better, for lack of better terms it was it was very disappointing because i thought that and not only was he a guy that i was messing with at the time but he and i had a very solid friendship we mm. were really good friends so it felt like i didn't not i not only lost a romantic partner but i felt like i lost a really good friend and gotcha. it hurts when it feels like a friend is dismissing your feelings or mm-hmm. saying you know what you have is not that serious because you wouldn't tell somebody who has cancer it's not serious right so you don't tell that to somebody with depression or anxiety or adhd or psychosis you don't say that Mm -hmm. at all because all illnesses and diagnoses are as serious as anything else Mm. i love that thank you for like that sharing that story um but then you mentioned to me that like you're like well i just wasn't dating anyone for like a time and then eventually you found someone so going going to going to the beginning of that story of like you know what basically you went like what a year or two where you just were like listen I no date rogue. not even don't say hi to me don't look at me bye like i was like between i had like t- a very wide spectrum i was i'd like don't talk to me or shoot i'm talking to everybody like mm. i was doing everything i had a hot girl summer i had a cold girl <laughs> winter i did everything in between and then one day I was like, yeah, I'm just I'm just not going to date anymore. And when I was quitting one of my old jobs, um, my cousin and I had gone out to dinner because she was starting a new job and I was just going to do my business full time. So she had still been at my old job at the time. Mm-hmm. Her and a couple of my friends wanted to just go out to the bar, go out, have drinks and have fun. And when we came back to the office, I saw this guy sitting at a desk that was across from my old one. And I kept looking at him. I was like, wow, he's really attractive. Mm -hmm. He is very attractive. Mm -hmm. 
And it was like seven o'clock at night. We were just all BSing in the office and he was just working really hard at seven o'clock at night. And I remember that's sexy. Mm -hmm. It it was at the time. But, you know, me being me being (laughs) me, I was like, it's seven o'clock on a Friday, dude. Like, you're going to do some work right now. (laughs) Like right now. Uh Like you got like four bad girls in front of you. Like you just going to work. He was like, oh, I got to get it done. I was like, you you can wait till Monday. Mm -hmm. You'll be just fine. Turn off your computer. and Let's go. And he went to the bar with us. Well, more so me, because when he and I were sitting there, it's like we were the only two people. Ooh, it was okay. it was amazing. It was like it wasn't anything sexual. It wasn't anything like physical. Right, like he and time. I just like magnet. Yeah, we okay. just connected and he asked me out on a date. And we went to this place on West 4th Street called Danino's. I think he knows. Mm-hmm. But we went. And I remember him having this look on his face during the date mm-hmm. as we were getting to know each other. And he told me that he had something to tell me that was kind of like a boner killer. And this was on the first date. This was on the first date. Okay. Mm -hmm. The very first date, which was two days after we had met. Mm -hmm. So I was like, nothing you can say can be worse than anything I've ever done or ever seen or ever experienced. So Mm -hmm. just shoot. And he told me that he had epilepsy. So I had heard what epilepsy was a few times but Mm -hmm. I never exactly knew what it was so he told me that he has seizures he's on like two two or three different medications that he has to take every day and Mm -hmm. he understood if I didn't want to see him anymore and I was like I tried to off myself and I have depression you're you're not like trust me you're fine you're not your illness you're not your diagnosis you're a person with a good heart you have epilepsy. I have depression. Shit, we in this together. Let's do this together. <laughs> yeah, like we wow. we in this together, bro. Like it, it's fine. I love that story. It's just, I mean, because I was, I did not know when you, when he said it or when you said it. And I, I like that, you know, you guys just like, listen, if you don't want to, we're having a good time. If you don't want to see me, let me just get that out the way. You know, right. I'm not going to reel you in or, I mean, when is the best time to share something like that? Did you think that that time was the best time or you wouldn't even have cared if he waited to, you know, months later? I feel like there's no there's no timestamp on when you should tell somebody that you have an illness or you have a disorder because that's that's your story to tell and you choose to tell it when you want to. So I am very grateful that he told me on the first date because a, it means that he's comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. B, he trusts me. And C, he's opening up that door to say, you can trust me with anything as well. I like that. I would have honestly probably never told him. Right. I probably would have never told him until it was like too late. And he said he didn't want me to wait until he had a seizure on the floor somewhere and I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So on that first date, what we did for like another 20 minutes was we talked about how to properly handle a situation he said oh if I ever have a seizure you know turn me on my side call 911 and I told him if I ever have a panic attack just sit me down just space me out just try to calm me down don't touch me so we we had that conversation right then and there look at that love connection (laughs) diagnosis everything he became my best friend after that because no one's opened up to me that quickly and not only was it was it just really reassuring it was very sexy like a man is Mm -hmm. giving me everything he has to offer and saying this is who I am this is what I have what do you want to do have you had an experience where you told someone like you know after besides that guy that you know you were already dating and you kind of you know discussed it with him like did you have you had an experience where you were dating someone and you did the same thing or you kind of just were like I'm gonna keep it under wraps I kept it to myself and I kept it under wraps the only guys in my life who knew that I was suffering from depression and anxiety were my father and two of my best guy mm-hmm. friends no other no other guy knew because mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to burden them I didn't want to feel like I was a responsibility I didn't mm-hmm. want to feel like I'm like a plant you have to take care of like mm. I'm I'm a person so yeah so this goes into my my next question slash topic um I was um talking to a listener and um, talking about the topic mm-hmm. and they had disclosed that, you know, they had dated someone who had a mental illness, but they did not. They met them. Everything was great. 
the person didn't disclose it. Also, they mm-hmm. had no awareness um, and then saw the evolution of it. And, you know, like, hey, you know, things are looking a little bit different. Um, he described it as um, the person was a little dark. Yeah. Um, and then eventually it turned into like having full on, you know, moments and uh, disputes and arguments and, you know, just physically getting abused almost for for no reason like there was no actual logic behind a lot of the things and um you know maybe we could just go into that discussion of when you see the evolution of a person and some people the sad thing is people say like I used to know that person you know they feel that that person has died you know because when you do not get help at times you will see the person form or morph into something yep so different and this person just basically said, you know, I tried to help that person. They didn't want to get help. And they said they were okay until I was attacked in my sleep many times. And then oh it was God. me versus them. Wow. You know, and I hear this story a lot. And then you hear people say, oh, well, don't take that person. They're crazy. That person's crazy. Because See. one of the times, you know, they're not getting help. So it comes across as quote unquote crazy. And, um, I don't even know if there's a way to even, you know, talk about this properly because this happens so often and it's just sad and it's unfortunate to see people, you know, not get the help that they they need. And then they have to be abandoned because it is me or you at times. Right. You know, I, I definitely have a lot of points to say about this. For one, I feel like we as a community, especially African-Americans, we need to change the language that we use. Like we need not to call, and I'm not saying that you call people crazy, but it's like, Mm -hmm. we need not to call people crazy or psycho Mm -hmm. or nuts or bananas or off their rocker because there's actually a chemical imbalance that's going on with these people that they can't help. Mm -hmm. So if we tell people like, oh, you're crazy or you're loony or you're psycho or you're bananas, do you think they're going to want to go get help? Right. Because they're going to say, oh, only crazy people or only psycho people go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So you're discouraging them. Mm -hmm. Two, if you know that that person is becoming somebody different and you do care about them, it's not saying that you have to date them, but it is important that you still can remain some type of an anchor or some type of stability in Mm -hmm. that person's life. Mm -hmm. And for anybody watching, if you have a pen, write this down. If you don't open up your notes and keep playing this podcast, but always remember algae for anybody who's in your life, who's going through a psychotic break, anybody who's having a breakdown, Mm -hmm. a stands for assess for risk of suicide or harm. Mm. So always ask that person, Hey, are you feeling okay? How's your spirits? Have you ever thought of killing yourself? Okay. Have you ever had su- suicidal thoughts? L, listen non-judgmentally. That is so important because oftentimes, you know, we we as black women especially, we, we're known to make a lot of faces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we're known mm-hmm. to like fidget a bunch, but it's very important that you keep your eyes and your ears open for age for genuity and for empathy. Always mm-hmm. make sure that this person has an open door to talk to you about whatever they want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. G is to give reassurance and information like, hey, we may not be in the proper space to be in a relationship right now because sometimes it is it is okay to step away from the relationship if it's doing something for you if it's not doing anything for you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being abused or being attacked in your sleep, that's not a healthy relationship to be in. So assure that person, we're not right to be in a relationship right now because I want you to get some help, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be there for you. Got you. Mm -hmm. The first E is to encourage for self-help and other tactics. So if that person likes to go take a walk, ask them if they want to go take a walk and talk or ask them if they want to go shopping and talk, Mm. ask them if they want to do something that they like to do to make them feel comfortable Mm. and at ease and E is to encourage the second E is to encourage for professional and appropriate help mm-hmm. because after you've assured them that you're there for them and after you've assured them that everything is going to be okay you always want to remember that last step like I'm here for you and I got you if you need me but I am not the final step because mm-hmm. I can only do but so much mm-hmm. so to that caller and that listener that you had it's okay to step away from the relationship but 
if you can remember that that person is still a person that's hurting Mm -hmm. and that you can be there for them in the best ways that you can and also encourage the professional help because you can't be the final step. It's kind of like I grew up in a very conservative Christian household and you know, we always say, pray on it, drink right, some, right. drink some tea, mm-hmm, go to sleep, mm-hmm. some tussin, some exactly mm-hmm. some tussin. But we don't realize that faith and spirituality is definitely an anchor, and it could be used for, it could be used for the healing process, but it can't be used as a prevention method, and it can't be used as medicine. Mm-hmm. Spirituality and faith don't like God. I love you, but God knows that we, He's not gonna do all the work we got to meet him halfway Mm -hmm. god will heal you god will help you but he will guide you to who on this earth Mm -hmm. can heal you Mm -hmm. he he's gonna guide you to the psychiatrist he's gonna guide you to that psychologist to the pharmacy but only if you want the help and that's sometimes our responsibility to encourage others like i can only help you as much as i can because i'm not a psychologist I'm not a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a holistic yoga teacher. I can't do all the things that I know that you need. So what I'm going to need you to do is get this help. Wow. That is good. And that works in uh, platonic relationships, yep. you know, family members um, and ju- and sexual relationships. Um, what I share briefly sometimes with people is, um, and why I have this platform is my sister is highly bipolar, schizophrenic. And um, the stories that, you know, I won't go into um, into too much detail, but I have seen just a person morph into something that they are no longer, you know, she's just no longer that person. Right. And um, just you saying those acronyms right there just really um, just touched me because it just made me realize that I can do more. And even just listening to um, this person share this story about having to leave because it was them versus, you know, the other person, it's so real because sometimes you feel that you are losing your sanity by dealing with other people who don't want the help because nothing makes sense. You know, if I keep saying, oh, the sky is blue and it's like, no, there's no sky. And you're like, okay, yeah, you know, sky is blue. Ha ha. No, there's no sky. Okay. You know, so when you said like, you know, uh, having a non-judgmental ear, um, you know, it just made me really just trigger like something within myself and just for me to do personally more and hopefully people who are listening, um, will do the same, you know, cause, yeah. uh, and hopefully you're just encouraging people to get the help. Um, so actually you did some really great, um, points, but I went on, um, psychcentral.com and it said like five facts for dating people who have mental illnesses and you kind of like nailed all of them. I was like, okay, this is cool. I have the worst handwriting, but it's okay. Um, it's not bad. It's just different. Absolutely. So I said, okay, I, and, and I have dated someone who was highly bipolar and did not want to get help. And, um, this, a lot of these tools, they just, yeah, they, they resonated because, um, in my experience, every time we went out in public, you mm-hmm. know, it was everything seemed fine. And then something would trigger something and it would be this person literally causing a scene, you know. And I don't say that in a negative way. Right. But it was in a way where we would be the you know, the center of attention. You know, we would be everyone was looking at us. The music would kind of stop and it would be all right. Stop, you know. Uh, you know, so you're kidding, right? You're joking until it yeah. wasn't funny anymore. And like it, it, he got he, he got coined as like the uncle that, you know, it's funny until it's not funny anymore. You know, and yeah. I was like, dang, that's my whole boyfriend over here, you know. Um, and I had to walk away because I started acting out towards him because I was like, you can get better. I know that you're in right. there. And I think these pointers are really good. So I'm going to see how you feel about them. So it says the first one is um, having a mental, having an illness is not like the end. Like it's not like it doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship. I definitely agree with that. I feel like there are very healthy relationships and not like I'm not married or anything like that. But I can confidently say that my relationship with my current boyfriend is very healthy. Like he has seizures and I have psychotic breaks and panic attacks, but we are completely healthy I feel as as long as you're very Mm self-aware and as long as you know 
who you are and as long as you know where your health stands, where the other person's health stands, as long as you have that trust, that bond, and as long as you know that you guys are looking out for each other and not being like, oh, you you have to get help or I'm leaving you or, you know, you mm-hmm. have to take your pills every day and start acting like very, very erotic because that's, that's not erotic because that's not mm-hmm. going to help. But just reassurance, like like you said earlier, it's, it's not bad, it's, it's different. It's different, right? I like that. So two said communication and you nailed it as soon as you were like, him and I said, <laughs> you know what? I This is my situation, this is yours. You had the open lines of communication. Yep. So it said, even if you decide to have one day a week where you actually check in with that person, yep. uh, which was funny because this is before I even did the homework of checking <laughs> in with the person. Um, and it wasn't even to check on your mental health. It was just to have more meaningful conversations. Yeah. And then with that, you will build consciousness, mental, you know, see how their mental health is, et cetera. But um, yeah, communication just with both parties, it said that. And I was like, okay. Uh, but you already said that, like, right away. I was like, I'm yeah. like maybe she wrote this. <laughs> right? I think that communication is essential in not only romantic relationships, but platonic as well, or even people that you that you see on Instagram or on Twitter. I make it my business mm-hmm. to reach out to 10 people I don't particularly talk to a week just to ask them, hey, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or I saw that, you know, you got into a car accident or I saw that, you know, you lost a family member or I saw that, you know, you said that you're not doing that well in school. How are you actually doing? Mm. Do you want my number? You can call me. Good. If you're not free right now, we can set something up to meet later. Communication and lines of communication are always important because it's always good to know that someone is listening mm. and that you're seen. It's always good to feel like, you know, when you get that text message from that friend you haven't heard from in like a month and you're just like, yo, they're still thinking about me. That's amazing. Right. I want to be that person, especially for my partner, because, you know, if, if all works out, which I hope it does, you know, he and I may get married one day and we may have kids. And I want to be able to show my future kids that two people that come from two separate walks of life and one who suffers from a neurological disorder and one who suffers from a mental illness can very much so have a very healthy relationship as long as we're in tune with each other. Right. Look at 23 y'all. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, this girl's everything. Um, <laughs> thank you. The third one is it's not your job to fix it. Ooh. Child. I was going to say that one may be a little, <laughs> it, it's, it's true. It is, it is not your job. Two things. It is not your job to fix your partner. It is not your partner's job to fix you. Like mm-hmm. how the old saying goes, you can take a horse, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm going to tell the horse like, yo, watering hole is down the block where it was three days ago. Mm-hmm. If you want me to go with you, I got you, but I cannot make you drink it. Mm-hmm. Same with, you know, mental illnesses. I've had plenty of psychotic breaks and people will tell me all day long like oh you need to go see somebody or you need to go like talk to somebody or you need mm-hmm. to download this app but it's like at the end of the day if i don't want to do it mm. i don't want to do it it's not my friend's job it's not my parents job it's not my partner's job to try to fix something that's going on with me it is, it is their job to be an amazing support system the best way that they can whether that's you know holding my hand in therapy or letting me cry on them it's just their job to be support. It is mm. not their job to fix it. If child A breaks the vase, it's not child B's job to fix it. Mm-hmm. You can tell them like, yo, you need to fix it's this because, yeah, <laughs> like you like you need to fix this because if you don't, yo, mom, mama's going to kill you. Right, right. But it's your job to know that you have work to do mm-hmm. for you to internalize all of it, for you to have that self-awareness and just know that you can't, you can't be whole with somebody else and in other relationships unless you deal with it yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's good. Like <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can read my own writing. Okay. Ooh, this one is good. It talks about this person's own version of normal. So yeah. it says like, I'll, whatever your standard of normal is may not be their standard of normal. So like, Maybe being super happy is normal to you, but maybe normal to them is just literally not going, you know, feeling a certain emotion. So, like, what do you think about that one? I think that 
it is who I actually used to be that person. Mm. I used to very much be that person. I know that when I was at my peak with manic attacks, Mm -hmm. my version of reality, and you know, that goes into a bigger study of psychosis, which can go on for like hours with psychosis and panic attacks. There is this delusion of reality Mm. that is fixed to what your brain is telling you is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, for people who suffer from um, schizophrenia or for people who are schizoaffective, they have their own reality of what's going on. It's not for you to tell them this isn't real. It's like that's that's what's happening in their mind. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I had panic attacks, what was going on for me is that everybody was out to get me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, everybody hates me. Everybody's against mm. me. And I never felt like I had a safe space. Oh. But I had people who were able to ground me because it's the way that my disorder worked at the time and still kind of does to this day is like, there's a tree and there's a kite tied to the tree. Mm-hmm. So, as the wind blows, life for me was sometimes like the tree. I could just go out, I could fly, I can play with kids, I can do whatever I want to. But whenever I would have a break or a mm-hmm. snap, the tree would be cut at the at the stump, mm-hmm. and I would just not be grounded anymore, and I would be flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it is, it it's essential in a sense to understand that. It's not that that person is, like I said earlier, it's not that that person's crazy. It's not that that person's off their rocker. Mm -hmm. Their version of normal right now is what's going on in their mind. It's not that they're less of a person. It's not not like they're inferior. It's not that they're crazy. It's not that they need a straitjacket. Mm -hmm. That's just what's going on in their mind right now. And it's for you to just kind of like, and I mean, I've never done this. And I mean, I don't really encourage anybody who has, but it's, it's kind of like doing shrooms. It's like you're guiding somebody through mm. that that state in a sense. Mm. Just making sure that, you know, they don't overdrink. Make sure that they don't fall off a bridge. Like, I have no idea what you're seeing. I have no idea what you're going through. But I got you and I'm going to guide you. Wow. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. And the fifth one, which you, you said is, it's possible to keep a relationship. <laughs> very. It's, it's very possible, especially with and I I love my boyfriend I do but it's like it's especially with with friendships Mm -hmm. because I know that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't not only for my parents but if it wasn't for my close friends because when I first told them about my diagnosis some of them cried Mm -hmm. some of them just sat and stared but none of them judged me Mm. none of them were like oh my god this girl is crazy. We got to get out of here. She's going to snap on me. It's going to be like a lifetime movie. None mm-hmm. of them were like that. They knew that I was somebody who needed help. Mm-hmm. And it is very possible to keep steady friendships and steady relationships, even a steady school life, a steady career, to be able to maintain that balance as long as you're self-aware, as long as you know, like, I need help. I need to get help. I'm I'm sure that the help that I need is around me, mm-hmm. especially a good support system. For some people, it's church. For some people, it's athletics. For some people, it mm-hmm. is friends. For some people, it's family. For some people, it's relationships. But as long as you have that tree that's grounding you and allowing you to be that kite to go wherever you want to go, then you'll be perfectly fine. Wow, you got the gems today. <laughs> I think you did write Thank this you. article. I'm going to see I wish I did. Name. <laughs> well, it's really good. Thank you so much. You went into a, a lot of a lot of heavy things, but also like just awareness for people when they see it. And I know for me, I was trying to hold back my tears because it was really hard um, with my sister because it was after I graduated college, and I'm you know she thought she was the Messiah. Um, it you know she was getting in trouble with the law. She was running away from the cops. She was going into churches and speaking tongues. And this was someone who I just loved so much. I still love her, of course. I just admired her. She was my Shiro. And to see her in that state 
was was really hard. And if I can go back into time and try to see how I could help her, um, you know, I, who knows what I would have done. But also it was even more hard because she didn't want the help and didn't think she needed, she needed the help. So I love to hear stories when people say, like, I got help. I knew something was wrong. But um, I just want us and to use this platform and your platform to get people who don't think that something is wrong, but something is right. wrong for them to get help. Absolutely. I feel like, well, for one, it, it's important for, you know, people like you and for people like my parents and for anybody else who's watching this or listening or listening. <laughs> it's it's not ever your fault. I don't know who right. needed to hear it today. I don't know who needed to see it today, but it is not your fault. It's not. Mm-hmm. As long as you know that you did everything that you can in your power to be there for that person and guide them and support them and encourage self-help and encourage that professional help, you you did what you, what you had to do. Mm-hmm. And I know that for my parents and for my friends, it was probably scary because my parents... Mm didn't know what was wrong with me until it was too late. I almost didn't know what was wrong with me yeah, until it was too late. The critical point, you know, yeah. which, uh, you know, I think I discussed that I'm going to definitely talk about that um, on the show next time. So, yeah. Thank you. No problem. Thank you Thank so you. much. I am so honored to have you here. I'm honored to when, be here. When you turn 30, goodness gracious, <laughs> she's going to have, and, and just real quick, I mean, we can tell people about where to find you, but you said you were certified in mental health and first aid. What does that mean? Yes. So to be a mental health first aid certifier, certifier, sure. Mental health <laughs> first aider. There you go. So New York City, for anybody who doesn't know this, I'm not sure if you know this either, but they have this program called Thrive NYC. Okay. So thrive.nyc, and you can sign up for an eight-hour class either on the weekends or you can do two four-hour classes during the weekday, and it gives you a breakdown of all the psychological illnesses and mental illnesses, how to deal with somebody who's going through a psychotic break, somebody who's having a panic attack, all the statistics, which is where I know a lot of stuff from, and at the end of the course, you're a, certi- you're a certified mental health first aider. So if you see somebody who's, you know, um, about to jump off the train tracks or somebody who's about to, you know, go into a panic shock, you are now certified to be able to deal with that person. You're not going to be the person that's negotiating right. the person that's, you know, about right. to jump off the bridge. Like in the movies. Yeah, right? no, you're not going to be that person. Uh-huh. But you can be the person where it's like if you see them on the street and you notice that they're like, twitching or you notice that they're like having some type of panic attack you are certified and able to help that person but always know that you are not the final step always call a plain clothes officer because we don't we don't do officers right we just don't but um yeah thrive.nyc wow do that it's amazing it's free oh goodness well i'm gonna get my because you know one of the um the topics we talked about is seasonal depression. And I Ooh. said, you know, when with seasonal depression, you have to find an activity. Or, and one is another one to have an activity. And second was to have a goal. And that yep. would be a goal for my, I will add that to my goals on top of the myriad of other shit I need to handle. That it's tried okay. to take me out today, Lord. Amen. But you know what? God is good. So where can we find you on Instagram, Twitters, and all those Social medias. It's funny because Instagram is probably the only thing I have besides Facebook. Hey, listen, you're 23. You're supposed to only have whatever's popping. I know, <laughs> I know, but everybody's getting on me about Twitter, especially Black Twitter, because you know it'll be popping sometimes, and I miss everything. I always forget Twitter, and Music Men and My Men Too has a Twitter, and I need to definitely go on it. So, <laughs> anyway, my Instagram is at signed Shonda. So S I G N E D Shonda, like Shonda Rhimes, and then on Facebook, I'm signed comma Shonda where you can find all of my blogs and all of my upcoming events so that's where you guys can find me and www.signedshonda.com is where you can find all of my blogs yes yes the blog is really cool and you write for so many people and <laughs> I don't know how just, to do it yeah she does it all and just just kudos and thank to you, you for for just being so so brave to share your story Thank and to, you so and to much. want to help other people so 
All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Music Men and My Mental. I'm C. Devone. Thank you to Shonda Brown no for being Thank on you. the show. And uh, make sure you like, subscribe, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. I'm going to get on Twitter again um, <laughs> at Music Men and My Mental. And have a great day. Make sure that we are balancing this career, the relationships, and overall health. Bye. Bye.